Thank you so much, Leslie, for joining me today. Very excited to chat about the 100X Accelerator, a social entrepreneurship accelerator built within the London School of Economics, which is super interesting. And, and I think that's this is needed, this, this sort of funding mechanism and the opportunity for social entrepreneurs to to get in early and kind of build their idea and product to, to solve problems. Um, it's super interesting, your path and journey so far. So let's kind of get into that initially. Like, what's sort of your path and journey been like before 100X? I always say my journey started uh, growing up. I was raised by a single working mom and my grandma and two older sisters. So huge familial influence with women all around me. And I think the interesting thing for me was because there was like really no there was no gender in that sense because everyone was just doing everything, right? There was no like assigned tasks between anyone. So I was the one kind of fixing the toilet and doing handiwork around the house, <laughs> the, the run to the litter. And I think that's what led me to want to be an engineer. And it was interesting because I, I always said, you know, I really want to make tangible change in the world. Like I want to, I want to do things that I can see the actual result of. And when you're a civil engineer, for example, it's bridges, it's roads, it's society that you're helping shape. And um, when I decided to study civil engineering, you know, for me, it was that it was how do we make society better? And this was the, you know, manifested through physical stuff. But I think that's really where I started getting an understanding of how to just drive change. And that's kind of been a theme throughout my career. And you know, what led me to 100x various twists and turns, but I had a chapter of my career in venture capital, you know, working in hardcore finance, Hmm. um, realized that wasn't for me, because it didn't really have that impact, you know, impactful piece for society that I wanted that was really grassroots and, you know, linked to really helping those in in real need. I worked in philanthropy. I was director of clean energy at the Clinton Foundation, working on energy projects around the world. And um, I loved my time, you know, in that leadership role and kind of wanted to take what I learned in venture capital and also the Clinton Foundation and merge those together. And just before joining the London School of Economics, I'd spent the last prior six years at Acumen Fund, which is actually a venture capital firm that's looking to do good in the world through its investments. So it was a really beautiful kind of marriage of my two previous roles. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, and and Acumen's just such an inspiring, incredible organization with such clear values. And, you know, that place really got into my DNA and I carry my Acumen values with me. And I really was happy to, to bring those into 100X and kind of shape them in a way that could take that you know, take the the just clear mission and vision of what an Acumen was trying to do and apply it to a new source of capital at a new institution. And, you know, just make sure that we could take social entrepreneurship a step further and make it even more accessible to folks. So um, that's what really led me to take up this role at the London School of Economics building 100x with this incredibly generous um, gift that had been given to the school of 50 million pounds. And what an opportunity for me to really shape the organization, the culture, the values, the strategy of, of an organization. And and that's really what I get to do day in and day out with the team, which I obviously love. <laughs> it's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the accelerator. I think there's been there's been sort of a lack of these. I think that focuses on social entrepreneurship and maybe social enterprises, looking at businesses and, and how we can we can use the idea of business and the strength and the potential that business has to kind of solve you know societal issues really around the world. And there's there's so many amazing people and entrepreneurs doing some incredible things. Anytime I see like a really powerful accelerator looking, you know, at these issues, looking to provide opportunity for, you know, early stage entrepreneurs to get their ideas off the ground. It's it's really powerful. Talk about like the the idea of 100X Accelerator, go into a bit of the details about its offering and like maybe 
what what type of people should apply for it? Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And so often, you know, I come from, a, again, a background in venture capital. And when you hear accelerators, you think a lot about financial success and growth and unicorns mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, Y Combinators and tech stars. And those organizations serve a, you know, really important purpose in, in scaling, growing commercial companies. Um, but when you look at the market, you know, we are such an incredibly rich community in the social impact sector. Um, so many of our friends, Echoing Green and New Profit and yeah. Acumen, yeah. who've done such incredible work. And you just wonder, you know, why is there not a Y Combinator equivalent for impact Love where it. the yeah. goal truly is to, to scale impact, which is actually a very different modality than scaling financial, you know, financial performance or success. So, you know, the real vision behind 100X is to create cohorts of social unicorns driving positive change around the world at scale. And we really anchor ourselves on that. And, you know, when you get into the philosophy behind it, you realize that scaling impact is very different than scaling financial success. And, you know, thankfully, we're based at the London School of Economics, which is all about the, you know, the betterment of society, understanding the causes of things. And when you're looking to scale impact, it's not just about growing the organization and fundraising at all costs. Because if we take organizations, charities and social enterprises down that route, we're throwing them in the VC cycle that is... Mm -hmm. Oftentimes a hype cycle of just, again, endless fundraising and an unsustainable growth. Yep. And I think the point of 100X is to say, if you're a charity or a social enterprise with a social mission, what are the end games you should be looking at? Rather than going public and endlessly fundraising and thinking about mergers and acquisitions, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the North Stars for these organizations? And again, because we're at this incredible institution, we're able to really understand and unpack what that means. So the end games for us that we want to nurture our ventures to to, to realize are things like maybe government adoption is the end game you should be looking mm. at. That's kind of your equivalent of IPO right. is that ministry or, or a division or, or you know, a, a department takes on your solution and recognizing it, recognizes it as the way to tackle a social problem that they should be implementing in education or healthcare. Maybe another North Star or an end game is open source, right? Mm. That your model is actually is, is something that we can replicate around the world if we just made it into a, a PDF that people could leverage, you know, around the world, like Alcoholics Anonymous, an incredibly mm. successful organization that is has the most effective, you know, form of tackling alcoholism. And it's an open source model, right? You and I could start a chapter right here on, on this phone right. call if we really right. wanted to with with a group of people. So maybe open source is the best way to scale impact. Um, You know, another is sustained service models, recognizing that maybe you're a Nigerian organization and you're meant to serve 100,000 people and that's actually it. And that's okay too, right? It's not about we're going to be the Uber of Africa. Maybe it's like, no, look, this community of 100,000 people is facing this issue. Let's figure out a model where we can serve them long-term and and deeply rather than saying, we're just going to, you know, have an app that people can download and we've reached a billion people. Is that as effective as really going deep with a, with 100,000 people. So these are the things that we want to ask our entrepreneurs. And this is the vision. So you, so you asked a really apt question, which was who should apply. I think it's organizations that don't see themselves going down the VC hype cycle. And they deeply believe in the impact and the model that they have and know that they want a partner who can realize their impact at scale, whatever that might mean. And, and maybe you don't have the answer, maybe you do, but that's who we want to partner with, someone that's riding a big enough wave mm-hmm. that they know exactly where they're going and that they're committed for the long run. And if that kind of is the general criteria of the organization that you're building and you've shown some track record, 100%, you are so welcome to apply to 100X. I love the, I like to try to call it like finding your scale because Mm -hmm. we are like traditional, 
you know, VC route scale is is so different than I think what exactly what you said, right? Maybe your scale is 100,000, 150,000 people that use your product or service rather than a billion people. And exactly. through that VC you know, route, we always hear that investors look for like, oh, they just need one or two out of the 10 investments that they hit. Those The rest of it, right? The eight that, not saying that they don't make it, but there's so much capital invested mm-hmm. in it. What if it, if these, that was applied to like, what if all nine or nine or 10 can be successful rather than just one or two? And I think the reason they aren't successful is because you have these ridiculous ideas of, of scale mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But this model is amazing because one, there's not a lot of access to type of funding for what we're talking about. Access to VCs kind of just are not going to look at these type of companies because they look at you know maybe 50, 60, 100,000 as not enough scale for certain things. So the access to different type of of funding like this is just incredible. Talk about a little bit about what stage you kind of mentioned, should they be in the market? Should they have some type of product market fit? Should they have users already? Talk about maybe when they apply, where should they be along sort of their life cycle? Definitely. And you know, we're a startup in our own right. So I always caveat that we're trying to figure that out yeah. too. And um, you know, someone joked, you know, you guys should really go through an accelerator. Uh, accelerator for accelerators. <laughs> Oh, no, I know. I think uh, in, in my next life, I'll, I'll start an accelerator. For <laughs> I know how to set up a really good accelerator. But, you know, it, it's really hard when when you're a for-profit accelerator, there's just some like hard and fast, yeah. you know, financial numbers you can put out there that really indicate scale um, or or stage. But when it's nonprofits and, um, and social impact ventures, it is tricky. So we own that up front. And so we're trying to, to go through our own process of really putting in those guardrails mostly because we're want to be so mindful of people's time. We are not here to waste people's time. We want to get the right people in that we feel like we can support who, you know, feels like they can value from, from the program that we're building, which I'd love to share more about. But, um, you know, something that we found is that about 60% of the applications for our first cohort were too early. And what we meant by that was it was kind of in the blueprint phase still. It was kind of ideas in the back of a napkin, maybe Mm -hmm. one person with an idea, maybe a early days website, but they hadn't actually tested their model in a market. And we totally recognize all the entrepreneurs who are just starting their journeys. Um, This isn't to say they shouldn't keep going. It just means that that's probably at a stage where you should be looking at incubators and earlier stage capital than what we can offer just because we're trying to take models that have some proven effectiveness and think about the end game and that scale. If you haven't done much proof you know, proof point testing um, with a market or, or a group of folks that you're trying to work with, it gets a little bit tough for us to know and to have a, an offering that's going to be useful. So, so we found out that usually if you have four full-time staff, that's a pretty good barometer that you're at a point where you've been able to to grow the, the organization to a point where it, it is able to take on staff, which is already a big deal. Um, you've probably had some track record with a group of, of um, individuals. And we started noticing that this $100,000 mark of money raised in the past, whether it's grant or revenue from your business, um, that's also a pretty good proxy of, of readiness for 100x. So these are pretty hard and fast. I mean, we look at every application that comes in, you know, with or without meeting these criteria, but we're noticing that the more successful ventures tend to have these four full-time staff and have raised about 100K in either grant or revenue earned from their from their business model. And that's at a pretty good stage where we're convinced and our, our investment committee and the various, you know, folks that come together to look at the, the ventures that apply. Those are pretty good proxies for us um, that you are on your way to having proved out your model and are ready for that next stage of growth at 100X 
really feels like it helped with. What's sort of the, I guess the, the offerings or like the benefits of joining the accelerator, not just capital, but also some of the, you know, the ancillary benefits of you know, meeting with, with team and sort of going through the, the mm-hmm. looking at the hard questions and, and having a group of, you know, a hundred X, you know, team members like help them through sort of these big ideas and, and, and next level of what they go through. So with the, like talk about a little bit of the capital they get, but also like, what's the program, right? What do they get from that perspective? For sure. It's so exciting to think about our first cohort, which is going to be joining us in September. And awesome. um, and they'll be, you know, they'll be the first ones to experience this world-class program that we're building. So the first thing I'd like to say is I love when entrepreneurs kind of ask me that question because they should be choosy. You know, it's their time and any accelerator program or something that demands you to show up beyond just getting a check. I mean, it's worth asking, you know, is this, is this worth my time beyond, beyond the money? And I don't want to discount the money. First, I just want to say it is actually rare to find an accelerator that's backed with this amount of capital and can provide 150,000 pounds of, you know, catalytic capital currently taking the form of grants, but in the future, you know, we can evolve that to debt or concessional loans or repayable grants. But it's really exciting to have to have this money behind us um, because I think that money matters, right? I mean, it means hiring more staff and it means giving you a chance to maybe you know, take the step back that you need to do for 12 weeks with our program to, you know, make sure that you're going in the right direction and have that, have that capital behind you. But, but in addition to the money, which I think is, is if not more valuable, the first is the community. And I want to raise that first because, you know, when I was looking at taking on the director position of hundred X, I was, you know, reaching out to a lot of people that ran accelerators and saying, you know, what makes it, what makes you guys unique and successful? And unanimously, they said our community Mm. and every accelerator is a community, right? It's bringing to the fore different types of people who want to get involved and how amazing for the first time to have such a large accelerator based at a world-class university that also sees Mohammed Yunus and Christiane Lagarde all come through the doors of the London School of Economics to to be part of that community, to to open that up to ventures that never could have dreamed of some of these world leaders, Um, but also academics who want to get stuck in problems with them and also just so Social impact community where, you know, Stefan Chambers, who helped found School World Forum, is also at the Marshall Institute. So that between the network of all of us, we have this tremendously unique community that anyone who is a venture with 100X gets access to. And um, and something I'm really proud of is we ask entrepreneurs, like, who's your dream party, uh-huh. right? Like if you could have trapped eight people in a room and you think if you had their ear, you could really make a, a difference with the solution that you're providing. Tell us who they are. And you know what? we'll actually try to go to bring them together because we are the London School of Economics and that carries clout and recognition. And, you know, we can't guarantee it, but we can certainly try more than if we were just some pop-up yeah. shop on Fleet Street or somewhere in New York or California or Nairobi. Like, you know, that's that's the value of having the London School of Economics behind us is that convening power. So, so in addition to the money, you get community, but also our program. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of listening, right? What does an entrepreneur need? And Everyone's journey is different, but we just tried to find some common denominator areas where we know a program could be useful. And the beauty is that we're willing to iterate. If we get feedback from our ventures that this was totally not where they wanted to focus, we have the agility to pivot and kind of be flexible. But three common themes we noticed are one, the first is the scaling strategy. So the first part of our our kind of flagship program is really understanding your strategy for scaling impact. And is it the right one? Can we do some lean testing and, and experimenting to make sure that you're on the right path. Um, And it's just a safe place to maybe fail and test a few out around government Mm -hmm. adoption or open source models. 
The second is is impact and assessing and making sure you're understanding the impact that you're driving and that you have the right feedback loops with your constituents, beneficiaries, customers, that your impact measurement and monitoring and evaluation is one that's actually helping teach you are you serving your customers well? And again, I give so much credit to Acumen and Lean Data for really training me and the team about thinking about how do we get that customer feedback to make sure that we're thinking about impact measurement in a way that's really making sure just the depth of impact is there rather than just the, the breadth. And the last is this piece around networks and capital and yeah. fundraising, because at the end of the day, it's not just fundraising, but it's really making sure you have the right network around you of people that can help you get to where you want to go. Some of them will be capital providers. Others will be maybe policymakers, but spending a lot of time making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people, something that's super important to us. And in the program, those three pillars, scaling strategies, impact measurement, and this kind of network fundraising are kind of where we're starting. And again, willing to iterate, but those are part of the offering that we want to bring to the fore with these ventures who are who are coming through the door. I love the idea of, of having the accelerator sort of attached or sort of embedded in a university setting like this. And when you sort of took the position... Was you're taking a position at the London School of Economics first and then with the idea of building this accelerator or the accelerator was always what you were coming over to do and it just happened to be part of, of the university? Yeah, that history is one I love to to share about. Um, also, you know, I was I've never worked at a at a university, so I was I was I had my um, yeah. questions of like, is this going to be you know a net net positive? Is it going to be bureaucratic? Yep. I, I you know you, you you do wonder, and I'd love to share more about this because I think people often say, what is the link to the school? So just a bit of history in 2015, um, the London School of Economics created um, something called the Marshall Institute, and it was a really unique moment in time because philanthropy as an asset class was is still to this day really misunderstood. It's not very well studied. And it's it's billions and billions of capital that kind of doesn't get studied and accounted for. And you know, when we talk about other capital markets, um, it could be money going towards, you know, oil and gas assets or right. real estate. We we understand those markets so well, yet philanthropy is this kind of black box of like, what drives philanthropy? Where does it come from? Is it effective? Is it solving problems? And the London School of Economics, you know, wanted to set up the Marshall Institute to really um, improve the effectiveness of philanthropy. And Starting, you know, to start with that, it starts with understanding philanthropy. And and that was set up again at the school. And, you know, five years later, after creating an executive master's course around social business and philanthropy, and also doing a ton of work on this topic, this idea in 2020 came about of, you know, how can we take this a step further, really? What's next for the Marshall Institute? And um, in conversations with the benefactor behind it, there was an opportunity to say, maybe it's time to put our money where our mouth is and kind of show the effectiveness of philanthropy rather than just teach and research it. And that's the idea for the world's largest impact accelerator was born, right? How can we use an enormous sum of, of philanthropy, 50 million pounds, and put it into practice in the world and create this accelerator to show how can we use effective uh, philanthropy more effectively? And so the idea around an impact accelerator was born at the Marshall Institute, and um, they needed someone to to lead this, to lead this incredible incredible concept that was really a, a kernel of an idea um, at the school of, at the London School of Economics. But to really shape it, you know, its relationship with the school, how it would leverage systems that already exist, where would it create its own unique identity? And when I was 
brought in, I mean, that was so exciting right? to build something from scratch that has this enormous backing and an, an amazing partner at the school. And so much of my first, I'd say six months was just listening. Like, what is the relationship? Where is there 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 yeah. with the school? Where should we go and build externally? And just how do we craft that relationship? And we landed somewhere so beautiful, which is this really symbiotic relationship where we're definitely our own thing, you know, within the school, you know, we're not, we're not a department. We're not looking to, to train students and whatnot. This really is a global accelerator meant for the external world. But how do we leverage all the brilliant minds and research and connections and network that the school has to bear? And everyone's been so warm in, in supporting this. Um, so to answer your question, you know, we're still housed at the London School of Economics, but we obviously have our own brand, identity, website, yep. you know, operating systems that are independent from the school that make us really flexible. And I've been so um, I've been so pleasantly surprised at how um, warm and welcoming everyone's been for this concept to come out and to really exist in the world. You mentioned that you didn't, you know, work at universities before you sort of been in, you know, this finance, you know, for profit side for for so long. What's sort of the your experience been like just working in a university setting, been a couple universities in, in the UK kind of just you know, walked around and met some people and stuff like that. You know, I, I could go to school in the UK, the US might be a bit, a bit different, mm-hmm. but what's it like sort of just, you know, being amongst a university sort of day to day and ideas and, and so many people from different backgrounds coming through, like, I guess, has it sort of invigorated you in a way that maybe perhaps you didn't expect? You know, it absolutely has. I, I love learning. And I think that that, you know, to be able to go every day to a place where you step on campus and even you go to our office, conversations and the knowledge creation that happens at a place like the London School of Economics is just remarkable. And, you know, when I sat down with some heads of departments, I was just curious, you know, what what is the biggest issue facing refugees? What is, you know, the biggest issue facing you know, how we're going to tackle climate change. And the things that you learn that shape your thinking that go into our selection just blow my mind. Um, And so getting to work in university, you're around the, the smartest of smart people who have spent their entire lives and careers, you know, pouring in the pouring over a, a topic mm-hmm. and a you know, to really understand the root cause of things. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I got to meet with someone who was working on refugees and migration. And, you know, I really want to understand this issue because if a venture right. comes to me uh, and my team and they say, you know, our job is to get food to the border in crisis situations, um, that could be great. And I and I don't discount that that's not hugely important. But when I sit down with a, a, a researcher who's looking at this, say, yeah, you know, there's so many organizations doing that. But what we really need to be tackling in the refugee and migration crisis is the speed at which a a displaced person gets access to a Hmm. work permit. Right. They said a work permit. And they said, yeah, think about it. it. You know, once someone gets resettled, they're oftentimes without work. They're in a society that's foreign to their own and they may assimilate to a community, but it's only really when you get to work that you can integrate fully into society, start contributing, having meaning, generating income for themselves, but also the economy. And it just, it just changes how resettlement, you know, that experience is for a refugee or migrant is how quickly mm-hmm. they can get a work permit. So if you can find a venture, Leslie, that can get that period from 18 months down to six weeks, Game changer, that is yeah. a radical innovation in social entrepreneurship. And that kind of conversation doesn't happen just in the commercial yeah. world, right? That is an intellectual, you know, knowledge-backed 
conversation that I'm having with someone that's kind of changing my mind and, and teaching all of us, you know, what really is, you know, again, understanding the causes of things. That's what the LLC is all about. That's, that's a researcher that's helping me and my team understand the cause of things, right? What leads to disruption with a refugee's experience and, and what, and there's many things, but that's one where right. I never would have thought of that. And now we can be on the lookout for ventures that are really doing these systemic work around tackling a problem that we may not have known if we were just, you know, not based in a place that produces so much uh, great You mentioned the uh, first cohort um, in September. How many is in that cohort? And is there a specific number of members or ventures in each cohort going forward? You're going to sort of cap it at 8, 10, 12. Like, what's that number like? For batches and cohorts. Yeah, definitely. We're so excited that to announce our eight ventures. We announced them last week. Um, so I want to give a huge shout out to them. So we have Afia Pomoja doing um, amazing healthcare work in Tanzania to raise citizens' voices to create a better system. Darcel working to um, revolutionize the teaching of math in Jordan. Grammel Foundation, they're a tech nonprofit that's designing solutions for farmers in India. Karia doing ethical data um, to improve economic opportunities for rural communities in India. The Labia Foundation, they're dedicated to improving the quality of education um, and well-being for children, particularly on the well-being part. Uh, Rocket Learning providing both uh, parents and governments tools that they need to improve early childhood education in India. Talamabad, an ed tech company working with schools, parents, and students to provide world-class education in Pakistan. And Unlocked Labs, a U.S.-based education and skills training platform for incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people, again, in the U.S. As we look like you know three to five years down the road, what, what would you want 100x to sort of sort of the success, like goals and successes you would like to see it achieve. Have you thought about that a lot or is it too young to kind of really think about the future and it's like, hey, let's get sort of the, let's sit sort of these foundational things ready to go before we can really think about, you know, long-term stuff. It's, a, it's the right question, Grant, which is what is our end game? You know what I mean? Um, we're an organization too. So what do I want to see? I want to see that, you know, these organizations that we back achieve the impact that they want to see in the world because that will just be, you know, one plus one will equal a hundred again when we, if and when any of these ventures become that social unicorn, you know, achieving positive positive um, change on the scale of billions, whether it's a billion dollars saved, a billion, you know, educational curriculum delivered, whatever it is, we're, we're really here for it for our ventures. But for us, you know, we... We think this is a brand new model. Um, accelerating impact in this way is novel and new. And we're here to test it out and make sure that it's it's effective and working. So we have a ton of feedback loops with our cohorts. Um, but what we'd like to see is we want to see, we think our end game is replication. We want folks to copy love exactly it. what we're doing and prioritize the scaling of impact. We would love to see 100X have kind of regional hubs around the world where we can really get deep in Southeast Asia, you know, deep in, in Africa, maybe deep in Latin America to really be understanding what are the systemic you know, impact issues in those areas and try to create more localized cohorts. That is always you know, such a, a dream. I've seen it a, an incredibly effective rooted acumen and, and other organizations I've worked. It's just that local knowledge and containers always useful to solve global problems. But at the same time, you know, we want other universities and, and funders and philanthropists to say, that model's fantastic. And, and we think scaling impact is, is how we want to go about the work that we're doing. Everything we do, we are so open book, open source. If anybody wants to look at our playbooks, our models, our curriculum, it is all up for grabs because, again, this is all about 
collaboration. There's no competition here. So between replicating regionally and just replicating with others, uh, again, that is our end game. And the more we can see 100x, um, yeah, just this model being replicated, the, the happier I think we'll be. And we're, we're an open door. Our inbox is even hello at 100ximpact.org. Uh, awesome. And we vow to get back to everyone who reaches out within five days. So again, if you're listening to this and have questions about our model or want to see how we're thinking about building stuff, um, we'd, love to, we'd love to be in touch. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for joining. This was an amazing conversation. You know, really done some some great things in, in your journey so far. So I have no doubt that this is going to be, <laughs> you know, added added on to to your path that's been uh, so impactful so far. So thanks so much for for taking the time. I know mm-hmm. you're busy, but best of luck to you and the team for for the next decade. Grant, it was a total pleasure. Thanks so much. And for anyone out there who's listening, definitely check out 100ximpact.org. We'd love to see you there. <laughs>